Hey, this is Rob, and that's Micaiah, and you are listening to You Forgot One. Today on You Forgot One, 2004's Mad Villainy. Micaiah, Mad Lib, MF Doom, they had never met before until the fateful day they came together to record this album. What do we need to know right up top about Mad Villainy? Yeah, I mean, you have one of the greatest MCs of his time and one of the greatest producers of his time. And as he said, didn't really know each other and yet came together to put out one of the great records of all time. At least that's our argument. Um, this isn't one that's in a lot of the... 100 albums it is now it only recently entered the rolling stone 500 but it's pretty low on the list 365 yeah a pretty humble number um and uh let's see what else about it it's on the enemy 2013 was it the number 411 on the enemy list even worse um you know, so I think this is one that time will be kind to. I think this is one that people are still discovering. Um, so I think that as time goes by, when they make the more they make this these lists, like every ten years or whatever, the higher it's going to climb. I really think that. Um, but it is is it's kind of the the most popular of the underground hip hop albums that are to be found. Um, I guess that's kind of the way it's thought of as the best underground hip hop album. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't want to say too much because we have a great guest who will certainly talk about more of this. Um, but it is uh, MF Doom, who is a character, um, a super villain um, with Mad Lib, and they together have created um, a, another super villain, Mad Villain, right? The, so the the artist for this album is mad villain. It's called mad villainy and um, other characters from these people occur. So mad libs, uh, Quasimodo is on there and MF doom's Victor Vaughn is on there. Who's like MF doom, but younger and a hothead. Um, and so like, that's definitely comes across on the track uh, that has Victor Vaughn on there. I mean, it's just, it's just a, a, a fun uh, hip hop album with hard beats amazing rhymes like it's pretty much everything you could want in a hip-hop album so when mf doom died he died on halloween 2020 and they didn't announce it until new year's eve 2020 Mm -hmm. mad villain style you know and so when he died i mean the hip-hop world mourned you know and and there was so much praise for MF Doom, you know, saying that he's, you know, was the greatest rapper. Uh, you know, Q-Tip says he's your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Uh, Tyler, the creator. You can find a great video of Tyler, the creator, a young Tyler, the creator, meeting MF Doom and watching MF Doom on YouTube. That's really great. Um, Flying Lotus says, you know, this is this is all you'd ever need in a hip-hop album. You can send it to space as the, you know, the prime example of hip hop, um, which is, I think, um, yeah, pretty much the highest praise uh, you can give for a record. If this is the quintessential hip hop record for very influential artists of our time, right? So this is definitely one that younger people 
right? Like Tyler, the creator, who's like closer to my age, even than yours, you know, this is the album they're responding to. It's not um, even necessarily De La Soul or it's not like uh, Most Deaf or Kanye, right? This, this particular album is speaking to a lot of very interesting young artist in hip hop today. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why I think it's going to continue to grow in appreciation on these lists. Um, so I'm proud to be kind of one of the first outlets out there to say it's top 100, not top 400 or whatever, top 100 albums of all time. Even if we didn't have our, um, our rule about one album per artist, I still think this would crack the 100 uh, because I think it's just that great of an album. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to go a step further than that. I, I Not only do I think it's a great album, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you will have noticed something, which is that we are in season three and we are covering Mad Villainy. We have yet two and three seasons done Nas's Illmatic. And I don't think we're wrong for having Mad Villainy up first. I know that's a very hot take. And of course you can come at us on Twitter and Instagram, uh, but I stand by it. And we're not talking about this album alone today. We have a real treat in store because our guest has a book coming out about this album on Thursday. You're listening to this episode. If you listen to it the day it comes out on Monday, this Thursday, March 9th, His 33 and a third volume on Mad Villainy is coming out. He is Will Hagel. And we're going to take a quick break and let you hear from our sponsors. And then we'll be back to talk to him about MF Doom in Mad Lib. I want to take a second and tell you a little bit about Mirror Coffee Roasters. Mirror Coffee Roasters are pursuing excellence from coffee, farm to cup. They're here to elevate your home coffee experience and help you to reflect what's good. Mirror Coffee Roasters are based in Bellingham, Washington, but they are bringing you the finest coffees from all around the world with sustainability as their first priority. Just three years old, Mirror Coffee Roasters are getting set to launch an entire new lineup of coffees. So check them out at MirrorCoffeeRoasters.com. Faster. That'll be the hour they knock the slick blaster. Dick dastardly and muttly with sick laughter. A gunfight and they come to cut the mix master. I C E cold. Nice to be old. Y2G Steve twice to threefold. He sold scrolls low and behold. Know who's the illest ever like the greatest story told. Keep your glory gold and glitter. For half, half of his niggas will take him out the picture. The other half is rich and it don't mean shit to. Villain a mixture between both with a twist of liquor. Chase 
replace it with more beer Taste it like truth for dear When he at the mic It's like the place get like Oh yeah It's like they know what's about to happen Just keep your eye out Like eye eye capping Is he still a fly guy clapping If nobody ain't hear it And can they testify from in the spirit And living the true gods Giving y'all nothing but the lick Like two broads Got more lyrics than the church Got ooh lords he is the author of the 33 and a third volume on Mad Villainy. He is Will Hagel and he is with us. Will, thanks for being with us right before the release of your book. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, let's start here. I mean, the 33 and a third series is obviously a series that we're huge fans of. And uh, we've had a lot of different authors of 33 and a third volumes on the podcast over these three seasons. And so one of the questions we like to ask anyone who is a writer of one of these volumes is why did you want to write about this album? What was it about this album that not just drew you to it, but wanting to write more than a hundred pages on it? Right. So with this album, I mean, Mad Villainy is, Obviously, I think a lot of fans of hip hop, underground hip hop, whatever, mainstream hip hop even will consider it, you know, kind of a undisputed classic, one of the best albums of all time. In retrospect, I should have thought harder before submitting that just because it is such a precious album to so many people and people have a lot of strong opinions about it. I kind of write in the book that, you know, especially MF Doom, his, you know, family, close friends are kind of protective of his you know story as he was protective of it in his life his story just keeps going on and on even after his death and even the story of mad villainy 20 years later is still being kind of told and changed based on who's telling it and then the last part of that of why i wanted to write about it is because it's a challenging album i would say i don't know if you both would agree it's one of those albums that i think took a while for me personally to fully appreciate the genius of it all. And I guess I just wanted to know more about how it came together. So this is an album that like, it wasn't an immediate hit for you. It wasn't something that you immediately put on or were like, Oh, this is great. It, it was challenging. It took you a while grab a hold of and appreciate. So let me just ask this question. Cause we're going to have a lot of listeners to this episode of the podcast who have never heard this album before. And especially when they see how many tracks are on this album, they're going to be expecting a lot of songs and what they're going to get in the process is about half the album is just kind of random beats and noises from various origins and sounds from 90s video games and kind of all of these different things going on. So for our listeners who maybe are having the same problem that you had or, or maybe that same first reaction to this, what what can be a challenging album to digest what unlocked it for you what was what was the thing for you that helped you really appreciate this album in the process i think the first answer that comes to my mind is mad libs beats even though they can be challenging i think and you know he's into avant-garde jazz and sampling you know brazilian music and kind of things that especially american audiences might not be used to but he also puts them in a context that you know, they're just good hip hop beats. Um, also, 
Doom, if you're not familiar with him. I think he's someone who is like kind of plays both sides and that he is challenging and that you can listen to a song and you might I always bring up Bistro on the album as an example, which is the third track in. Um, and it's kind of like an intro for the album where Doom is just talking and introducing all these people who are contributing to the album. And he's talking about yesterday's new quintet is here and Victor Vaughn is here. And like the first time you listen to that, if you have no idea what any of those things are, you might be like, oh, okay, there's some random people there. The more either you listen to the music across both or across Doom and Mad Libs discographies or, you know, look up stuff online, you realize the people that he's describing on that track are all actually him and Mad Libs alter egos. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the debut grand opening of Mad Villain Bistro Bed and Breakfast Bar Grill Cafe Lounge on the Water. Where we offer you the finest to the finer things. How do you do? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? Live on the beats. We have the one and only Mad Lib. How do you do? We also have King Ghidra on the mix. Yesterday's new quintet is here. Victor Vaughn. Quasimodo. I'm your host, the super villain. You know, just lay back, have a good time, enjoy the music, you know what I'm saying? I like to dedicate this next joint to my bands, you know, Big Hookie and Baba. So how did you approach this album and these artists for the book? It's Mad Lib, it's Doom, it's quite a handful of other people who may or may not be involved who deserve or maybe don't deserve credit. I mean, there is a kind of mythic story around this album that has only been exacerbated in the aftermath of Doom's death. So how did you choose to approach all of that for this book? Yeah, well, I guess what you were talking about, people who don't know the artists at all, I guess I kind of had it in my mind that there are people who are extreme Doom fans, Stones Throw fans, Mad Lib fans who know every way more than I know, even now after researching and talking to people who are involved and they have their strong opinions about it. And and then obviously there's people like, say, like my parents, for instance, older generation who don't know the artists at all. So I wanted to I attempted to kind of explain Doom and Mad Lib's backstory and kind of both of their career arcs leading up to 2004, which is when Madville came out. And also before that, a few years before that, when they started, when they met for the first time and started recording the album. Um, and then I know both of you have read some of the book. So I kind of just thinking about the different aliases of Madlib and Doom that I mentioned earlier, and just the fact that Doom as a person as an artist, Daniel Dumoulin, he kind of didn't want people to know the exact truth about his life, his personal life especially, and he filtered it through these various characters that he performed as musically. So I took an approach that, again, I don't know if people will like it, but another reason I approach it this way is because from 
talking to people who are close with Madlib and Doom, multiple people told me that the reason they're so great is because they make music first and foremost for themselves, like for themselves to enjoy because it makes them laugh. So I kind of just went with this approach that I figured not everyone would like, but I wrote it from the perspective of um, different superhero characters, I guess, who are writing for a music publication, a fake music publication and try to pass it off as sort of a blend of fiction and nonfiction, which also maybe protected me a little bit from saying no everything in here is 100 true but yeah i took obviously inspiration from doom from that and, and it works to to really great effect in in some places and then there are some places where it's like oh no that's will like yeah i will say too i kind of uh some feed or feedback i've heard is that i didn't really lean into making the different characters distinct enough or like played it play it up enough so I did kind of, I don't know, it was hard to find a balance of doing that, but also getting across the story of the album, so. Mm-hmm. How do hold heat and preach non-violence? He about to start speech, come on, silence. On one scary night, I saw the light. Heard a voice that sound like Barry White, said, sure you're right. Don't let me find out who tried to bite. They better off going to fly a kite in a firefight during tornado time with no coat than I caught ya. Wrote the book on rhymes, a note from the author. With no headshot, he said it's been a while. Got a breadwinner style to get an inner child to finish smile. And that's no exaggeration. The doctor told a patient, it's all in your imagination, Negro. Ah, what do he know about the buttery flow? He need to cut the ego, tripping. To date the metal fellow, been ripping flow since New York plates was ghetto yellow with broke blue writing. This is too exciting. Folks leave out the show feeling truly enlightened. They say the villain been spitting enough lightning. The rock shocked the boogie down the bright. I then. Man, I do like that. Uh, I do like that approach as a way, especially of talking about MF Doom, who, like you say, is is so talented, is so technically gifted. You know, it's it, when we think about a rapper being technically gifted, the way they build rhyme schemes, like just their ability to do this. Doom seems to always be kind of half comedian, half mm-hmm. rapper. So for our listeners who don't know who MF Doom is, tell us who MF Doom is. Who who is he? And there's a quote about him that he is often referred to as your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Why is that true about MF Doom? Um, To to answer the question of Doom, it could be a long story because like I said, he is a, he's a, MF Doom is a character that was created by Daniel Dumoulet, who was in early 90s or late 80s, early 90s, was in a group um, called KMD with his brother. Essentially, his brother died and uh, kind of tragically, uh, the group was dropped by the label before their second album came out. And Doom, Doom Daniel Dumoulet kind of disappeared from the music scene, um, you know, and essentially people started to forget about him he was gone for five or more years and then he came back wearing a mask over his face and in the original performance that he did at the new york poets cafe in new york he i think had a pantyhose over his face and didn't have the mask yet 
But over time, he developed his character into him, but wearing a mask, essentially. And that was MF Doom. And he does have other characters like Victor Vaughn, I mentioned earlier, King Ghidorah, which is mostly when he's making beats, because he was also, along with his brother in the early days, um, a producer as well as a rapper. When you say the words MF Doom, it's usually referring, people are usually referring to both Daniel Dumoulin and the character MF Doom, because it kind of crosses over, but kind of emphasizes what kind of person he was because he was almost sort of like uh, a lot of people will say Andy Kaufman or like a professional wrestler. He would actually walk around in public with the mask, even if he wasn't performing and stuff like that. So, and then the, your favorite rapper's favorite rapper part. I don't know. I'm interested if either of you have thoughts on that because I kind of know why it is, but I don't know if I can articulate it, but I think, Part of that is just because he always sort of did things his own way. And when he came back after, you know, the major label industry had sort of spurned him, uh, he, you know, was in fully independent rapper who was very mysterious and would surface at random places around the world. Like he was actually deported from the U.S., even though he grew up here his whole life because he was born in London um, and never got in his American citizenship and he kind of didn't tell the public or the media. And again, there's another, a lot of doom fans will already know this, but infamous stories about how he would, even though he was banned, he was exiled from the U S he would, he still booked shows and sent actors wearing masks to lip sync his lyrics, which I think is one of the, and at the time people were really mad about that because no one knew he was actually deported from the country and couldn't come. So, again, that's sort of a way he was like a comedian of his own. You know, he was doing things his own way for himself, fully independent. Yeah, so I mean, the the quote that I think of is, you know, so the quote, of course, is from Q-Tip from Tribe. It, you know, Tribe, you know, Q-Tip called him your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. But it's it's interesting the time in which, you know, Q-Tip said that was in the aftermath. So 2004 is the Mad Villainy album. So that's his collaboration with, with Mad Lib. The next year, 2005, Danger Doom, which is his collaboration with Danger Mouse, 
is released. 2009, he, you know, he, he spots on the Ghostface Killa album. Like there, there are all of these big name producers, beat makers, rappers in hip hop world. And all of them want to work with doom. And again, you know, the point you're making about, you know, pretty independent artists, like, doesn't really have a ton of label backing or a big name for most of his career. And yet everyone seems to want to work with him. And so I feel like by the time the public at large, and certainly for me, by the time that I was really clued in to who he was, it was almost this thing of then getting to go back and discover like, Oh, he's on this album. He's on this album. He's like, how is it that, he's appeared on everything I love and I've never noticed. I've never noticed him before. Like you suddenly realize the through line of like, Oh, doom's on everything. And then even, you know, we did our, our best albums of last year list. And for me, the, um, the black thought danger mouse album cheat codes that came out last year, you know, you know, they, they recorded, uh, one of the songs before dooms before dooms death and doom has a great verse on the song Belize. And, yeah. And so it's one of those things where you're just like, man, like everyone loves doom. And then there was a great, um, 10 minute episode just diagramming MF doom in the way he the way he puts rhymes together like here's his rhyme scheme and how it works yeah i think i saw that and just recognizing that like oh he has figured out the way to do this where kind of like you said like the only people who are going to get the joke he just made are the kind of people who do this for a living and understand the turn that he just made in the middle of it and so, you know, kind of like what you were talking about, about what he and Madlib would do, like there's an element of we're going to make what we like. And it almost seems like they don't care that much whether or not anyone else does. Yeah. And they did at the same time. I think another part of it, the favorite rapper's favorite rapper thing is he did have a passionate fan base who connected with it even early on, but it was at the time more underground. And then over the years, now it's like even you know the most mainstream rappers like drake will cite doom as a reference and the younger generation that's coming up is still listening to all of doom's albums definitely mad villainy even 20 years later and it's still having an influence so i think it is like everything you mentioned is definitely true too it's just a lot of factors adding up into just you know one of the greatest artists of all time i think it's the 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 independence is a big part of it. You know, he's on it like almost every, like in his, like in the height of his powers, almost like every album is on a different label, right? Whether the Victor Vaughn, the King Ghidorah, Doom, Mad Villainy. You know, so there's just like, which is so peculiar. Um, he's yeah. not making hits, Sorry, but know. he has a long list of classics without any kind of need to release a big single please a label you know like he his whole career as a rapper is about rhyming it's about rhyme so if you're an mc who cares about rhymes right and beats instead of just like 
becoming famous, you know, doing just pretty standard, you know, what's going to make it in the top 40, right? I think that's just appealing, you know, so, and I think he does attract, you know, there, there are definitely particular rappers who would say that he, you know, Tyler, the creator, like it's no mystery why he would say doom like is his favorite. There's, you know, there's no mystery why flying Lotus would say the mad villainy is like the best hip hop record of all time. I don't know that like a lot of like the mumble rap artists are particularly interested in doom uh, because his flow and his rhymes, they they could not be further away. Uh, I mean, he's just, he's just like the most impressive. I mean, for me, I mean, you have, I mean, you have people like Buster Rhymes who can just really say a lot of things really quickly, uh, almost to a point where like, I don't even know what he just said, you know, which, uh, which some people really don't like Jay-Z started out that way. And then he kind of course corrected tracking hip hop, right. There's like the, you know, uh, like that Sugar Hill gang, just like, you know, well, I'm Wonder Mike, and I'm here to say, you know, it's just like, and that lasts for quite a long time. And then Rakim was just like, well, I'm going to have like a jazz flow. I'm just going to completely change the way that you can actually rhyme. It doesn't have to be my Adidas. And then that becomes kind of a popular thing for a really long time, like the jazz influence. Um, kind of takes over, especially like in alternative hip hop. But what MF Doom does, Doom is just like, no, I'm here to serve the rhyme, right? Even if it doesn't make sense or doesn't make sense right away, you can make it make sense further into the song. You know what I mean? It, you know, so like it, it's all in service of the rhyme. And I, in the way that he does it, um, on something like Figaro, for example, it's just, mind-blowing like it, it is like jazz and that he he bends notes essentially but instead of bending notes it's you know playing with rhyme structure in a way that i don't think anyone else really comes close um i mean everyone can name rappers who are really impressive but what doom does i think is 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 pretty unique um especially in that like 99 to 2004 run where he just like really is like firing on all cylinders. Rest is empty with no brain, but the clever nerd, the best MC with no chain you ever heard. Take it from the Tech Nine Hola. David, don't know they next shine from Shinola. Everything that glitter ain't fish scale. Let me think, don't let a faint get his smell. A shot of Jack got her back, it's not an axe stack. Forgot about the cackalac, holler back, clack, clack, blocker. Villainy, feel him in your heart, chakra chart, top of start, shit stopper, be a smart shopper. Shot a cop day around the way, bout to stable. Who the knows, two motor, wonder where the shooter go. About to jet, get him, not a bet, get him. Let him spit the venom, set him, got a lot of shit with him, let the rhythm hit him. Stronger in the other voice, we makes the joints that make them spread them butter moist, man, please. Stage made of panties, from the age of baby hoochies on to the grannies. Ban me the dough rake, daddy, the flow make her fatty shake. Patty cake, patty cake, for fake. If he wasn't need a baker's man, he'd take her for her masters. Hit it once and shake her hand. Want some old thank you, ma'am, and ghost her. She can mind the toaster if she signed the poster. A whole host of roller coaster riders, not enough tracks. 
hot enough black or just too hot to handle you got blue sandals who shot you who got you new spots to vandal do not stand still boast your skills close but no krills post for polos post no bills coast to coast joe smoles flows i think another part of that too is just how casual he made it sound even though he was actually being very intentional with the way he recorded and you know if for Mad Villainy and other albums too, like there are examples of demo versions of songs where specific words, like one word is changed out from one version to the next, mm-hmm. you know, it, but it almost sounds like he was just freestyling or something, for example, mm-hmm. even though it was really meticulously crafted. Right. And that's something that comes up in your, in your book is that he's writing the whole time. It's not just like it, he, he gets, referred to as being someone who has like a stream of consciousness but it's very well planned and written and rewritten and re-recorded over and over again which you you know mentioned to to great effect because it is just kind of easy to think of him as being like this effortless rapper who just goes on the mic and knocks out like a two-minute song and says next but like that that's not the case it's almost like a punk attitude where you know it sounds like for Operation Doomsday, his first album is MF Doom. It's, you know, it's not the best recording and, you know, it sounds very loose, even if it is, you know, behind the scenes, he put effort into making it sound like that, I guess. And he just kind of has that attitude and it appeals to that type of listener, I think, too, especially around the time of like the, you know, you mentioned Jay-Z or just, you know, the big shiny rap of the time. Um, the other thing I wrote down while you're talking is, just about his his rhyme structure and delivery is that it also changed from character to character, which I think is really interesting. Like it was a kind of a performance based on which character he was embodying and which album he was on. And then again, another thing that comes up in the book is just Mad Villainy infamously leaked before it was before it came out, and then he re-recorded all of the lyrics and completely changed the tone that he used. <laughs> from what was kind of more similar to Operation Doomsday, which is more like upbeat and uh, I don't know how else you describe it, but he kind of went in a more laid back, like it's a completely different tone, which is just crazy. Um, yeah. And then also I have to get this into because I wrote it down, but since you were talking about how the focus is on his lyricism, I think that or what he's said in interviews over the years is that the mask that he wore was to emphasize um, that like there shouldn't be a focus on appearance and showy flashy stuff and the focus should be on the pure talent, which for him was rapping. So, Right, which is the like exact opposite thing that was happening in hip hop at that time, right? Because yes. Kanye, when the college dropout comes out like he he like says like i want to be like a fashion icon i want to like he i think for him like some seeing like run dmc is like the adidas seeing ll cool j with like the kingle hat it's just like i want to be stylish i want to bring like style back into hip-hop like very and he does right with the pop collar sunglasses and now he you know all his clothing line stuff right he had kind of ulterior motives it's something that wasn't just about the rhymes, right? He there was something else on the side, right? That he was trying to, the wanting to do. Whereas Doom, completely opposite, right? Don't even know what I look like. I'll go out in a jersey and a mask, right? In doing that, he kind of created his own style, you know, by 
trying not to have style. I mean, I think he was trying to have style, but it created its own style. It's like not just you're he's not just call, or on his lyrics he calls himself uh the best rapper with no chain you've ever heard, which I always think is funny. Mm-hmm. I do want to come back to the thing you said, which is that his tone is completely different across his different characters, which I find is is one of those things you only notice if you listen to a lot of his albums in succession, which I think Mackay and I both in preparing for this conversation have done in the last few days. And that's been the thing I had never noticed before, but just listening to that much back to back to back, even if it's just like Operation Doomsday, Vaudeville Villain, um, mm, Food, um, Mad Villainy, Mouse in the Mask, um, you know, Sarface beats Metal Face. Like you, you realize, oh, like he is a different persona almost from album to album or from, you know, collaboration to collaboration. But what I'm so fascinated by thinking about this album in particular is he seems to be drawn to a very diverse selection of beat makers. So whether it's producers or guys who just come up with beats, like he's, he really seems to be drawn towards the out of the box beat makers he is looking for people that are using the wildest samples that are kind of going all over the place. And he does such a great job of fitting in serving the music, serving the beat that these various producers are coming up with. So thinking about that, tell us a little bit about Madlib. What do we need to know about Madlib, who he is and his legacy of avant-garde beats? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll just add to that even going back to the KMD days that we were talking about, obviously that was in collaboration with his brother, Subrock, but Doom also made a lot of beats from weird samples like Burton and Ernie from Sesame Street, um, different stuff like that, and then also rapped over it. So that just adds another level of his genius to me is that a lot of these kind of out of left field beats that you're talking about that you think no one could rap over. He made the beats and then rapped over them, which is another skill in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Madlib, he, uh, I mean, for me, he's one of my favorite artists of all time. I think if I'm being honest, looking back, even though like with Mad Villainy, um, it's kind of in a lot of ways considered a quintessential, maybe the quintessential, depending on who you ask, Doom album. I think I was probably a bigger fan of Madlib's first. He works really well. His style of production, he is really inspired by people like Sun Ra and free jazz musicians. Um, his dad or his uncle was uh, John Faddis. Uh, basically, he's from a musical family and um, kind of just obsessed with music. Like Doom, he would pick, you know, what would be considered at the time obscure albums. A lot of Mad Villainy samples came from Brazil because of a trip that Mad Mad Lib took to Brazil during that time. And in that era, I feel like a lot of people like myself have learned about Brazilian music or other music that Mad Lib has sampled because he sampled it and he's flipped it and like, ways that completely recontextualize it yeah but he yeah he's a, a very unique i mean he's he's the person who jay dilla was trying to compete with 
in his mind. You know, so like like people refer to Doom as, you know, your favorite rapper's favorite rapper, right? Jay Dilla is your, you know, favorite producer's favorite producer. Yeah. Uh, but but Dilla, he was obsessed with with Madlib. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I love the way that you, you end up depicting um Madlib as this the obsessive creator who's making two hundred beats a week um a cd like an hour-long mix just like at the end of each week or end of each day sometimes just like just a totally obsessive he he does it so much really from like i mean growing up but like his first record comes out in 99 but then by like 2002 he's like i'm done with hip-hop i've yeah. done too much of it like he, he like he exhausted so much of what he had because he just did it because all he did, I saw an interview with him. He's like, I sleep like two or three hours a day because I'm always making beats. And then finally, like it takes someone like MF Doom to get him to like want to be interested in hip hop again. Wreak havoc, beat beatless, mad traffic, sleek and lavish, people speak and leak into the maverick. He see it as just another felony drug arrest. Any day could be the one he picked the wrong thug to test, slug through the vest. Shot in the street for pulling heat on a father who babies gotta eat. And when they get hungry, it ain't shit funny. Paid to interfere with how brother get his money now. Who's the real thugs, killers, and gangsters? Set the revolution, let the things bust and thank us. When the smoke clear and you can see the sky again, there will be the chopped off heads of Leviathan. My friend, you call them strangers. Anybody talk to them end up in some danger. Can't reform them. They pray four times a day, they pray five. Who weighs the strange when it's time to survive? Some will go of their own free will to die. Others take them with you when they blow sky high. What's the difference? All you get is lost children while the bosses sit up behind the desk. It costs billions to blast humans in half into calves and arms. Only one side is allowed to have bombs. It's like making a soldier drop his weapon, shoot them, and telling them to get to stepping. Obviously, they came to portion up his fortune. Sounds to me like that old robbery extortion. Same game. You can't reform them. Well, let's talk about this album. And there's no other way to say it because for I know for some of our listeners, you know, is we're doing hip hop albums. There are some hip hop albums that just make sense. Oh yeah, I'm, of course you're doing that. But we're we're making the statement that this album mad villainy is one of the greatest hundred albums of all time what makes this a great record and what makes it arguably one of the greatest hip-hop records of all time ah man that's a loaded question uh obviously i'm sure you've talked about this on previous episodes that obviously music is subjective so i don't know if (laughs) there but for me personally it's a combination of kind of everything we just said and then i guess the significance of Madlib and Doom coming together. Um, they didn't know each other before they started working on this, although they were familiar with each other, but they hadn't actually met. Um, when they recorded most of the time, in fact, I think they were never really recording together, although they spent time together uh, in LA at the Stone Throw House. It just made complete sense for these two people to come together and make an album. And 
those people who were really in tune with it at the time knew it would be huge. And then I think people and really good. And I think people who didn't know them over time have been able to discover how great it is, especially when you look at the their respective discographies before and after this album and just why it, you know, it came together at the right time. They've heard of each other, right? But the one of the realities or partial truths is that like they're both so busy writing all the time and making beats all the time that they're not actually listening to each other all the time. They're making their own shit. So like, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard of them, but I'm always doing my own things. So I, I don't really know what they, you know, so especially, uh, doom. I know that he had said that he had heard of Mad Lib. Yeah. And really listen because he's writing and producing all the time, especially like when Mad Lib becomes like the most productive, right? Doom is also, in 99 doing operation doomsday in 2003 he comes out with two albums in 2004 he comes out with two albums and all those are like being recorded like within you know a lot of crossover there so he's just constantly being productive so that they actually hadn't you know interacted so you get these two hip-hop obsessives mm-hmm. one is mostly you know emphasizing you know uh actually rapping and once you know emphasizing beats they're both thought of as the best of their time and it just takes like a nudge from like a few different people to get them in a room together. And then eventually not even have to be in a room together to like, just put it down. It's just like, we have these two historic people living like amongst us today. We have to put something on record because these two people just like need to be together. Some people find each other like tip Fife and Alicia Eid Muhammad, they find each other, but these two forces need to be brought together on two different coasts and just like made to happen. Yeah, and they've said too, like they they communicated with each other without even speaking at times because just their sensibilities were so similar. And also, you mentioned Dilla earlier. Um, another thing, just to note, like the context of this album was that Madlib was also working with Dil- Jay Dilla on their collaborative album, Champion Sound, at the time, um, while simultaneously working on Mad Villainy, while Doom was also working on the other projects you mentioned. So I think it's probably true of a lot of albums or anything is that, you know, if you don't think it's going to be a success and they're still, tr- it's not that they weren't trying. Cause like we said, they re-recorded and changed things around everything. They wanted it to be a good album, but I think that's part of what made it such a great album too, is that they exceeded expectations, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, they exceeded expectations only because people already had some version of the album, like you said, and then the album comes out and it's not what people have been listening to for almost a year. So that's another way to yeah. like, just like subvert expectations. It's like, Oh, Oh yeah. I've heard this album. It leaked. It's like, Nope, different album. And then I really think too, just asking why it's such a great album. I, I've said this a few times, but it really does stand the test of time. Like even the amount of times I listened to it over my life. And then also writing the book, I was listening to it today, preparing for this. And I heard, you know, a part of accordion just in the background, a couple like ad libs that Doom does over his verse. I was like, I never noticed he's did that before. So there's so much, even though, like you said, the track list is long, the songs are short, but there's so much packed into every song mm-hmm. that you can keep listening over and over again and it doesn't get old. Doom's ability to do a single line 
with such weight that it feels familiar at the first listen. And so he can say anything and it sounds like the hook, like it sounds like, Oh, this is the catchy part. This is the chorus. Like it, it can all feel like that just because he, again, it's, it's the, he understands the phraseology. He understands how to put it all together. It's, it's watching or listening to a master of a science almost just show you like how he's playing with it for fun yeah totally let he who is without sin cast the first stone after you whose last is doomed he's the worst known that i have your boom blown or eat the thirst bone rockets won't burst clone just don't curse the groan on his own microphone bring it everywhere he go so he can bring it to you live in stereo panic can't understand it ban it the underhanded ran it planned it and left him stranded best any who profess will be remanded yes sir request permission to be candid granted i don't think we can handle a style so rancid he flipped it like madden did the old jazz standard Don't mind me, I wrote this rhyme lightly over two or three heinies And boy was they fine G One black, one Spanish, one Chinese It keeps the woody shiny around like a pine tree Don't sign me, I'm about to get a meal without him Crowd him off the shelf, he's the villain And what about him? So, and he's a jerk and you don't know him Mad how he expand work but won't show him Poor guys, what a sight for old so four eyes Now hook me with two apple pies and a small fries All rise, so far odd as a rupee So raw, break it down and make quadruple It's crucial, you can see it in his pupil And this time when he get it, he'll waste it on something useful Like getting juiced off a deuce deuce of coke Keep it low key, known to pull a okie dokie so uh, let me ask a, a question that we like to ask every guest who comes on to talk about an album. We like to take each every, we like to take each and every album we do and give everyone an opportunity to share their five favorite songs from the album. And you don't have to do these in order. We generally only do them in the order they appear on the album. And so Micaiah, why don't you go first and I'll go next. And then we'll, we'll let you give us yours at the end. Let me just pull up so I don't forget anything. But I know number one is accordion. This is the first, I mean, what gets you in the door first is the beat, right? It's so good. Like the the snare is just it's it's a little wonky, you know, and the accordion sound is it's really great and not a hip hop sound. Like it's it is a stranger to hip hop. Um and it and it all works um great. And like I've been I've been trying to like Google this and YouTube it or something, but I'm pretty sure accordion was used on Adult Swim, like in between, uh, like shows. Um, and I, I feel like there are a couple other instrumentals from this album yeah. that were used on Adult Swim. Um, so that sound just always makes me feel like I'm in high school. Uh. Number two, me grinder. Pretty much for the same reasons I like accordion, right? The beat is really wild. Well, I mean, the first beat's really wild. And then it's just like, all right, enough of that one. Here's an even better beat. We're like, why did you why did you even do that? Why did you even <laughs> start this with one great beat only to just be like eh, done with that? You know, like that's just like a wild choice to make. 
um, that doesn't really make sense, um, but it makes a lot of fun to listen to. Um, man, these are all on side one of the record too. Uh, so raid, um, because that beat is again, absolutely insane. Yeah. I just love it. I don't, I don't can't even be smart about it. It just rules. And then, uh, four, uh, this is more on the doom side of things would be Figaro, which is where every time I hear it, like, I'm just reminded just like how genius, uh, you know, he is on the track. Um, just just mind blowing and then like you is one where you could like be like oh you know what i'm gonna do i'm actually gonna like sit down with the words and go through it that doesn't even help you because he he is there's just so much happening just like just for like in each bar they're just like i could i could read this over and over again while listening to the song and i'm never gonna follow along fully with what's happening like it's just so clever and so well done and yeah, it's, it's great because, I mean, you listen to it and you don't think you're listening to something that's just, like, particularly, like, impressive or smart. It's just fun and easy to listen to. And then you look at it and you're like, this is Edgar Allan Poe level, just, like, mastery with language. And then five, um, I'm going to go with all caps um, because, and this is a great combination of just, like, maybe also, like, we'll say, like, one of my favorite beats on the album that's much more doom style than Mad Lib even is something that you'd more likely hear on one of doom's own records. Um, and it just like really builds that doom mythology, right? After this, it is, you know, we'll saying that, you know, it wasn't until like after this song that there was like the, Oh, if you're going to spell his name, you have to do it in all caps. And if you don't, then you're not a real fan. So it's just, you know, another great song that, has the great Madlib beat, has the great uh, Doom verse, and is building, you know, onto the mythology of the the Doomiverse. I think is what Will calls it uh, in his book. So that, that's my five. We're gonna have uh, some similarities here. Um, my my first is accordion, and and maybe even for some of the same reasons. So I love the Danger Doom album, The Mouse and the Mask. Um, and I love all of the ways in which, especially in the mid 2000s, how Adult Swim and all their programming was all like soundtracked by Doom in, in ways that I loved. And so, um, yeah, I just love a beat around, you know, essentially a, the, the sound of an accordion, like reverse the sound of an accordion put a light beat to it and see if doom can rap over it and sure enough he can and it works uh my second is raid um and what's interesting is raid probably has the only sample that i immediately recognize on the whole album and it's because i have the bill evans record uh live at the montreux jazz festival and so nardis which is the bill evans song that is used in raid um is is one that are like oh i i know the song they're using and then you hear a metaphor come in and you're like oh that is that is not what i was expecting from that um so i love i love raid um money folder is is my third i think money folder is one of those songs on the album that like again in my mind it has this clear hook to it but then thinking about it you're like no it's just it, it's a it's a perfect beat 
and the way doom delivers each line it's it's just got this delivery to it where you're like oh no he's doing a chorus you're like no he doesn't say anything the same twice in the whole song but i I love the way money folder works figaro um is my fourth and i think figaro is probably my fourth just because of how impressive uh the rhyme scheme is i think figaro is the song on the album that in the uh in the the vox or av club whatever it is who who did the um thing on youtube where they break down the rhyme scheme rhyme scheme i think it's figaro that they do that for and it's just so impressive to listen to and then my last one is all caps um again i i think it's it's probably the biggest hit of the album even though the al- album doesn't really have hits but it was it was the most successful single released from the album so we'll call that uh the the hit of the album so all caps is my fifth well what about you what are your five songs from the album your favorite five well first of all i like both of your choices um i feel to this album every time i listen to it i kind of come up with a new favorite (laughs) which is also not very typical of most albums that i have or depending on my mood like one of these might jump out so even though I'm putting this on the podcast, it's not set in stone just just for the list so the listeners know. But I'm gonna third accordion. I mean, I think it's just undeniably a great song. All of it, the beat, which there's a section on in the book. There's also not to promote another podcast, but a song exploder uh, episode with Daedalus, who was or is a you know electronic producer kind of a contemporary mad lib in a way um was you know also looped in with the la beat scene stuff like that and uh mad lib just had a copy of a daedalus record lying around listened to it and made the speed out of it number two i gotta mention bistro again i think even though it's not really a song it's kind of like an interlude with doom just talking over uh you know, wild sounds. Uh, well, that I guess wild sounds would be more like the intro, the Illus Villains, but Bistro's kind of more like a song, even though it's like a lounge parody. And uh, uh, we already talked about why I love it, but just Doom introducing all the characters who contributed to the album who are actually just him and Mad Lib. And I just think it's, it's genius. I'm going to go with Shadows of Tomorrow for number three interesting choice another weird one but uh that's one of the two tracks on the album that has quasimodo who is mad libs character that we mentioned earlier you know dooms on the cover of this album it is very much a doom album rapping over mad libs beats but the fact that this song is on there i think is a testament that it is a true collaboration and also doom respected mad lib enough to kind of give him his own song uh, and it's one of the hardest beats. Yeah, it's also just the great. album too. It's great. Yeah. Then let me make sure I go in order. I'm surprised neither of you mentioned Fancy Clown because that's one that a lot of people bring up because that's Victor Vaughn, one of Doom's characters, uh, rapping on the song, accusing his girlfriend of cheating on him with Doom, which is just hilarious. So my 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 five my my fifth song was I, I go I went back and forth to so the list I sent Micaiah was 
fancy clown or or all caps and so i went with all caps for my list but fancy clown was was right there neck and neck all day long it is a great song too i think i'm actually going to switch it up last second change to operation lifesaver aka mint test which is just because i'm kind of trying to talk about songs that you didn't talk about too but that song i think is also hilarious um because it's about you know it's kind of like a superhero riff of trying to slip someone a mint because they have bad breath and all caps i think is will should definitely be on this list but since you both said it i'm gonna give a shout out to great day because i really like that song um I knew you was in around Playing all innocent Hoeing since the foundation Don't make me have to pound This tin crown facing And risk being jammed up Like traffic and bound from spacing There's been a place for you In my heart Since we first met A teenage love That didn't feel no hurt yet My boys warned me You was poison Like BBD first cassette And still I put my chips On the worst bet Gave up the skirt Now I got a hair from the street How dare you drag my name In the dirt and cheat You could've broke it off Ended it and dip And if you spoke us off We could've still preserved The friendship Now you apologize that's what they all say You wasn't sorry when you sucked them off in the hallway But have it your way, raw, no foreplay That's you if you want a dude who wear a mask all day And just to think, I used to be proud of you And you had some real good power Well, let me ask you this question We, by the nature of our podcast, kind of the rule that we give ourselves is you can only do one album per artist. And the reason for that, of course, is that there are so many of these lists that you see for like greatest albums where it's just 10 different Beatles albums and five different Dylan albums. And, you know, here's, you know, here's four different Jay-Z albums. And so in order to cover more artists, we limit it to only one album per artist. Given that rule, is this the right MF Doom pick? I think it is again it's personal preference like you mentioned you like the danger mouse collaborations a lot of people will have a preference towards operation doomsday but i think this album came out you know at a time when doom's mythology and his characters were kind of already established and he's older than madlib but madlibs were as well but not necessarily known to a huge audience, although it's known to a passionate audience. Um, But I I feel like it's the quintessential Doom album in a lot of ways, especially I think the cover kind of contributes to it, whereas Operation Doomsday had like a cartoon-inspired cover, which obviously the character of Doom is inspired by uh, comic comic books. But the cover of Mad Villainy has Doom's actual face, like Daniel Dubillet behind the mask, even though it's kind of dark and the book goes into it too, or you can read about other places. Eric Coleman took the picture and then Jeff Jank, who's artistic director of Stone's Throw, kind of formed it into this, um, into how it looks, the finished product. But in a weird way, I think, the artwork kind of makes it to me the quintessential doom album, but I don't know if that resonates with either of you or if that's a, a weird reason to choose it. As well, I think that helps because it kind of gives like, it makes the character feel more real and more realized. I think 
if you're someone who hasn't seen him live and you've only heard his music and you've seen him drawn as like a cartoon or a comic book figure to be like, Oh no, this man takes this seriously. Like yeah. there he is in the mask. It like, it like, you know, it ups the stakes. I think Yeah, that's true. Really quick. I was going to say, I think if you're asking about Mad Lib, I would probably say this album too would be the quintessential Mad Lib pick. Even mm-hmm. though I'm wearing, I was going to show you my um, brother gave me this, you can't really see it. It's a podcast anyways, but my brother gave me this hoodie of bandana, the Mad Lib Freddie Gibbs collaboration because he mm. thinks I don't like it enough. <laughs> oh. I do like it, but I just think it doesn't really compare to Mad Villainy. But yeah, I agree. Or even Pinata, but that's another story. I mean, obviously for both of us, we picked it. We think this is the right pick, but I'm I'm glad to hear you say that as well. And it's a good thing considering that this Thursday you have a book coming out all about this album. Tell our readers why they should hop on bloomsbury.com right now and pre-order this book that comes out on Thursday. Yeah, I was thinking too, it would be funny if I wrote a whole book on Mad Villainy and I was like, no, it's actually, you know, kind of the third best. (laughs) That wouldn't really make sense, but I mean, if you're a fan of the 33 and third series, you're looking forward to uh, the book on Sandinista coming out in 2024. Um, at, I don't know. I think if you're a fan of the album, I tried to, everyone I interviewed, I tried to tell them, you know, I'm just, I wasn't around when Mad Villainy was being made. I wasn't even, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I wasn't a huge fan. Like my friends who were smarter and cooler than me were all, huge fans of it immediately and it took me a while to realize how great it was but so I really am not an expert I'm just a fan who's trying to put it in or kind of get at the story and talk to people who are involved with it and also put it in context but I don't know this is not a good pitch at all but just (laughs) well I'll help you out so what what it reminded me of um which is, has nothing to do with Doom or Mad Lib at all, but the the Rolling Thunder review Bob Dylan documentary, where it's just like parts of this are true, and parts of this are not true, and parts of this are not true because we'll never know the full truth, so we're gonna have to fill in the gaps somewhere. And some of this is true for somebody who was on that tour. Maybe if it wasn't true for Dylan, it was true for. It's just like you know, how we remember things and how we mythologize things. And that I think is a large part of the book is what little we do know and have access to and the way we think about these people and remember these people, like in remembering doom and then also putting yourself in conversation, you know, about those characters with your own characters, you know, so if someone is interested in, that kind of postmodernist kind of musical journalist perspective by way of comic book heroes talking about supervillains, um, then you will enjoy it because that, that, that is, I think, uh, the heart of the book from my understanding of, of having read it, which yeah. is a very, very fun read. I, I just, I just went through like Doom's discography while going through the book and just had just a, a great time going through it. I love it. 
I love it. Well, hey, Will, we love having you with us. It's been a real treat to get to talk to you. We like to to ask every guest to close their time with us by giving us a top five albums. And what that top five is can be completely up to you. So that can be your favorite albums, what you think are the best albums, uh, your, your favorite from any genre, your favorite from Doom, your favorite from Mad Live. We'll leave it up to you, but give us a five album list of your choosing. So, okay, you asked me this ahead of time, and uh, not to give you too much behind the scenes, but I took a bath today because I was feeling congested. I was like, I'm going to take a bath, and I barely ever take baths. But so I have the top five albums that I thought of in the bath as being important to me. I love it. Let's hear it. That's the most specific list I think we've had so far. Yeah, and I tried to go to bounce around genres, but I'll make it quick. But uh, one album, which is totally different than Mad Villainy, uh, and I don't know if it's, it might be controversial, may, maybe not, but, and people might not have heard of it. So that's why I picked it, but leftover crack fuck world trade, which is a, uh, kind of crust punk ska album from had to be around the same time. Uh, but when I was in high school and even like middle school, yeah, released in 2004, I was kind of interested in you know the punk scene and i think steve albini produced it i didn't realize i think i knew that but i didn't until i just googled it but that this was like the biggest album of all time to my specific core group of friends at a very specific age um another one that people have probably not heard is plastic people of the universe egon bondi's lonely hearts club band which is a czech album and I just, the music's great. It's very avant-garde. Uh, they were inspired by a lot of things Doom and Mad Lib were both inspired by, but in the 60s and 70s. Um, and they were also inspired by like the Beatles and stuff like that, performing in Prague and kind of under like Soviet, or when Czechoslovakia at the time was under sort of a Soviet puppet government. And English lyrics and rock music were banned. And then kind of on the same vein, Velvet Underground and Nico. I love that album. And I think it's another one that, well, just because Plastic People of the Universe and these Czech bands were really influenced by Velvet Underground too, to the point of their revolution was called the Velvet Revolution. And people think it's connected. And then I'm going with Lil Wayne, the Carter Three, which is another controversial pick. But I think based on my age... I love I'm 31 right now. I love that album when it came out, even though people will argue whether that two or one, the first Carter or Carter two, no one's going to say four. I don't even know if there's five yet, but people will argue that three is not good. It's too commercial, but they're wrong. Even <laughs> though if you like Mad Villain, you might be against kind of commercial rap music of that era, but whatever, you're wrong too. <laughs> and then the last one that was that four. Yeah, that's four. That's four. The last one is Young Dolph, King of Memphis, which is another kind of departure from like talking about Doom's lyricism and how complex it is. I think Young Dolph has been, uh, he passed away as well uh, last year or almost two years ago, but kind of on the simpler side lyrically, but also really funny and serious in a lot of ways. And he's one of the, artists that I've really liked a lot recently. So figured I'd throw them on the list. 
That's a great list. Very diverse. Lots of underground stuff in there that we're going to be able to introduce our listeners to. That's, that's what so happens good. in the bathtub. Yeah. That's so so that's Will's top five bathtub albums. I love it. Hey, Will, it's been a real treat. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. For our listeners, uh, tell them how they can stay up to date with you and what you got going on. How can they find you on social media, etc.? If you do want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Willie the Squid. Uh, <laughs> and don't worry about the other platforms. And you can also check out a podcast that I do sporadically, did it in the past, and have recently resurrected it that is similar to this podcast in that we talk about classic albums and then do a sort of Kevin Bacon style sort of uh, connection, connective threads and musical references from one album to another. And that's called Connecting the Classics. So cool. check it out. That's awesome. Can't wait to listen. Will, thanks so much for being with us, bud. This is a real treat. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Dripping off the beat, kinda dripping off the meat grinder. Heat niner, pimping, stripping, soft, sweet minor. China was a neat sign of trouble with the script digits. Double dip, bubble lip, subtle list, midget. Borderline, schizo, sort of fine, tits, dough, quarter wine, order grind, quarter to nine, let's go. Ever since 10 11, glad she made a brethren. Then it's last down, seven alligator, seven after gigs. I have a knock and no answer. Slow dancer, hopeless romancer, dopest flow stanzas. Yes, no, villain, metal face to destro. Guess so, still incredible in escrow Just say ho, I'll test the yayo Wild West style fest, y'all best to lay low Hey bro, day glow, set the bet, pay dough Before the cheddar get away, best to get Mako The worst hated garden, perpetrated art Favors demonstrated in the perforated rod labors In all quad flavors, large savers Alright Rob, so I've been thinking about this a lot And I think if we were going to say which MF Doom album belongs on our list, I wouldn't be mad if someone said Operation Doomsday. But this album isn't just an attempt to get an MF Doom album on here. right? We are trying to get the best albums of all time on here. And I think that this MF Doom Mad Lib collaboration is better than any just like MF Doom album because MF Doom himself like has his own producing style outside of Madlib so if you want just like something that is wholly MF Doom go listen to Operation Doomsday or Mm Food that's full blown you know MF Doom but this is something else and I think it's even something better um, because I think with doom having to rap over someone else's beats and the fact that they are so abstract and so insane, it challenges MF doom on how to rhyme over them. I think the two bring out the best in each other. And I think that they know they're working with the best and that pushes them to work even harder and to free themselves up to, to be more abstract so I, I think that that's part of what makes this record so incredible is that it's two amazing artists challenging each other and rising to the occasion to just 
great effect. So for me, I would put this over any solo MF Doom album, solo Mad Lib album. And for me, it's a no brainer. This is a top 100. Um, we're working on our top 75. I think it's a top 75. I, I wonder how close it'll be to the top 50. So I agree with you. I think it definitely deserves to be on our list. I think it's a top 100 album. I also agree that this has to be the one because you do get that collaboration between MF Doom and Mad Lib. And I, I think mm, food and followed closely by Operation Doomsday um, are probably MF Doom's two best solo albums, but I think he is at his best as a collaborator. And I think this collaboration with Mad Lib is as good as it gets. Here would be my only thing that I want to tell our listeners, because you've heard not just our conversation with Will Hagel, you have heard samples of this album played all throughout this episode. And what you have probably noticed is that this does not sound like the hip hop music or the rap music you're going to hear on the radio or, or hear, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be things that are making the, you know, the, the hot 100 list. And so I will say for our listeners, I think this is a great album for fans of rap music. If you prefer pop music that sounds like hip hop, I don't know that this is the album for you. Um, but if you really love rap music, I, th- I think this is an album you will fall in love with. I don't think it just has to be rap music. I mean, like, I think even more broadly, just like alternative music, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's an, it's an underground hip hop, alternative hip hop, you know, it's on an indie label. So if, you, if you're just looking for something that, just isn't like the same thing you've heard over and over again that can kind of challenge your senses, mm-hmm. you know. It's this this might be the most unique this might be the most unique hip hop album you've ever heard. There's a very good chance of that. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's why for both of us, you know, hey, even you know, we believe this is an album that's gonna climb up all those other lists, but even if it doesn't, we're okay to say, hey, we think this is one of the hundred great albums of all time. And we are glad to have it on our podcast. But listener, what about you? What do you think of MF Doom? What do you think of Mad Lib? What do you think of this album, Mad Villainy? Let us know on Twitter at You Forgot One Pod, on Instagram at You Forgot One. And Micaiah, wherever a listener is listening to this podcast, wherever someone is listening to this podcast, what should they do? Well, of course, you should give us a five-star review. Uh, You could even write a review. Um, That helps other people find the show, and that's a great help to us. And if you want these episodes as they're coming out, the best thing you could do is like, follow, or subscribe to the podcast. Um, That way you'll get new episodes right when they come out. Well, listener, you've heard us talk about this song a whole lot. We're going to leave you now with it. Here's all caps. So 
nasty That is probably somewhat of a travesty Having me Then he told the people You can call me your majesty Keep your battery charged He know it won't stick yo And it's not his fault You kick slow Should've let your trick hold Chick holds your sick glow Plus nobody couldn't do nothing Once he let the brick go And you know I know That's a bunch of snow The beat is so butter Peep the slow cutter As he utter the calm flow Don't talk about my mom yo Sometimes he rhyme quick Sometimes he rhyme slow Or vice versa Whip up a slice of nice verse pie Hit it on the first try Villain The worst guy Spot hot tracks Like spot a pair Fat asses Shots of the scotch From out the square Shot glasses And he won't stop Till he got the masses And show him what they know Not through flows Of hot molasses Do it like the robot To head spin to boogaloo Took a few minutes To convince the average boogaloo It's ugly Like look at you It's a damn shame Just remember all caps When you spell the man name Slice wig, allegedly the investigation is still ongoing in this pesky nation. He got the best con flowing. The pot doubles, now they really got troubles. Madman never go like snot bubbles. 